Chapter 10, Connections. Remember in Chapter 9, uh, we saw Harold talking about uh, Rita, and uh, Shard met Father Hines and Schuyler's and was rather surprised that the father used hot sauce. And Fridas took the center stage. Shard and Johnson confronted Rita, the pool hustler, and Shard was attracted to Ellen. In this chapter 10, in this chapter 10, tires are slashed around town. Periwinkle finds out information on Shryock, and Dizzy meets Rita. The paper mill? To sell or not. Chapter 10. Connections. That was a great meatloaf, Sharon Don said. I froze it over the holidays. It's the perfect comfort food for a cold night. I hate this weather, don't you? I guess I never thought about it much. I grew up here and didn't go much farther south for college. It's pretty normal to me. Yeah, but you worked in a heated building. You had to work in the mill. My God, it gets cold in there. We have gas heaters hanging from the ceilings, but they don't help much. I wore my coat and gloves all day today. So did everyone else. We all look like Eskimos at a convention in Barrow, Alaska. We're lucky that Johnson isn't here. He'd bore us with a saga about some thug named Thordatongue, or some something, who shed his clothes, spouted poetry, slaughtered people every time the temperature approached absolute zero. Well, I'll tell you the temperature in the plant is near absolute zero. You just told me that. No, I'm talking about the political temperature. Everybody's scared to death. They're afraid they'll be out on the street before the weekends. Really? What happened? Oh, a whole bunch of things. More Malo? Please. Rumors are at the general paper bigwigs are coming tomorrow to buy us. The union people tell me they're the kiss of death. All they want to do is shut us down to cut competition. Do you believe it? I don't know, but my boss told me this morning if I had any brains, I'd look for a job. He reminded me it's easier to get one if I still have one. Others have told me that the general will keep us open because the market is so good. We're making money, and we're pretty efficient. Almost as good as general's best, I bet, since I design our processes. Is that a boast? Not really, but I think I'm pretty good. Mr. Harkness invested in the new machinery I suggested to lower our costs. Would he do that if he wanted to sell out and see the plant closed? But he's dead, Don. That's the problem. The guys say that his wife wants to sell because she doesn't want to run the mill. She wants to get her money and get out while the paper prices are high. You think that's true? I don't know the woman. I know Harkness loved the place, and I hear she couldn't care less. The kid I understand is a moron. Don't even get me started on him. My problem is that I like it here. I want to stay. Mom's here. You're here. I take that as a compliment, Don. Thanks. Even if I take second place, she thought. Wednesday morning. More violence. When the phone rang, Shard cocked an eye towards the bedside clock. 5.55. Alliterative, he thought. Why couldn't it ring at an unalliterative hour? Say, 6.41. He quickly deduced that the only 6 through 9 o'clock had no alliterative times. Perfectly useful information, he thought. The other side of his bed was empty. The sound of the shower slowly impinged on his semi-consciousness. His mind flashed back to when he and Hope used to shower together in the morning. The way the water beaded on her back fascinated him. The phone rang again, more insistently. Shard. Good morning, Lieutenant Neal here. Oh, God, you have another baby. 
No, sir. Why the hell are you working the graveyard shift? When are you ever home to make the babies? Sheriff Stutzenberger is very good to me. Sir, he knows that I... Yeah, 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 yeah. Why are you calling me at this alliterative hour? Sir? It's not even dawn, Neil. There won't be dawn this morning, sir. It's below zero and snowing. That means it's a perfect morning to stay under warm covers. What's up? Someone is slashing tires, sir. You woke me to tell me that? Where's the third shift? Pull him away from the coffee machine. Yes, sir, but you see it's whose tires are being slashed. That's the most complex sentence Neil had ever loaded on me, Shard thought. Whose? The same people who've been shot at, the guys at the mill. Shard was suddenly wide awake. Where were their cars? In their driveways. Mr. Higgins, Mr. Collins, and Mr. Feldon all called in in the last half hour. I have the times entered in my log. Do you want me to read them to you? No, no need, Neil. Send someone out to talk to them and have them take photos of the damage. How many tires were slashed on each car? Mr. Higgins said he had all his slashed. The other two didn't tell me. I'll be down a little while, Neil. Thanks. Okay, sir. Ellen walked into the bedroom wrapped in a towel with her hair in a turban. You look smashing, he said, and meant it. Well, thank you, Lieutenant. A girl always appreciates a compliment before she puts on her face. I just got a call. Three guys who work at the mill had their tires slashed last night. The same three that had their cars shot up the day before yesterday. And Neil tells me it's colder than a well digger's earlobe out this morning. And it started to snow again. Maybe I ought to leave that turban on. He stood up. As soon as I shower, I'll make coffee and breakfast. You don't need to put on another face. You have the prettiest one on now. When he came out of the shower, he smelled coffee and heard Ellen rustling pans in the kitchen. She greeted him with his cow mug full of steaming coffee and a peck on his cheek. I slept like a log. And you? Shard didn't even mind the cliché. He was prepared with one of his own. Out like a light of all night and warm, she smiled. I found eggs that aren't out of date. Too over easy? Toast? Spaghetti side? Perfect, except for the last. I never eat vegetables for breakfast. Good rule. I suppose if I told you how nice it is to wake up with you in the house and smell coffee after my shower, you'd think I was trying to lure you into a life of sin. I would, Lieutenant, but I don't think I'd be attracted to an unemployed cop. I'll get a job by noon, then. But I'm serious. You bring warmth to this old house. It's too empty, and the house doesn't like it. I think it misses my parents. I guess I'm trying to say I appreciate you being here this morning. Wouldn't have missed it. Eat your eggs, and I have to get on the road early because I have to stop to check in with Mother, and I want to get to the office before noon. I have to interview a CPA this afternoon to replace the guy who screwed up my Utica account. I hope your new one is as incompetent as the old one. Why? Then you'll have to come here every week to straighten it all out. And I just happen to have free lodging for you. Nothing's free, Lieutenant. Eat up. Wednesday morning, slashers. Shard went into Neil's office for an update. As usual, he was sitting behind a battle-scarred desk heaped with paper, remnants of fast food, and for some reason, his shoes. You're working the day shift, too? Oh, the sheriff is kind. He knows my family is growing. What have you heard since we talked? Sergeants Johnson and Periwinkle are talking to Mr. Felton and Mr. Higgins. Miss Newbill called to say her tires were cut, and Mrs. Harkness screamed at me when she called. 
She acted as if I did it. I told all of them you'd take care of it. Oh, thanks, Neil. Has Harold Harkness called? Neil scanned his list. No, sir. He's probably not up yet, but I'll bet his were slashed, too. Call him and ask him to go out to look. Then I'll make him madder than hell. Yes, sir. One last thing, Neil. Why are your shoes on the desk? Simple, sir. They don't wear out as fast if I don't wear them. But why not leave them on the floor? Nobody can steal them if they're right in front of me, sir. This is a police station, Neil. People don't steal here. Don't bet on it, sir. The only advantage to having a slasher loose this morning, Shard thought, is that I have my office to myself. He opened his file cabinet, took out a folder marked Addictions, removed a camel, and settled down for a few quiet moments. He revisited having someone in the house. He loved the sounds Ellen made as she moved about, her feet on the hardwood floors, the shower running when he wasn't in it, and the pots and pans rattling in the kitchen. He hadn't heard all that since Hope left him for that damn drug rep. Periwinkle jolted him out of his pleasant ruminations. "'Good morning,' he said. "'Sorry we dragged you out so early.' "'I was up when Neil called. "'I like to get the sun-times read before I come in. "'Who'd you talk to this morning?' "'Mr. Higgins. "'Someone did a job on all four tires. "'Looks like he used a box cutter or something like it. "'I would have been more intriguing if the guy had used an ice pick.' "'That would work. "'Did you talk to Higgins?' "'Yeah, the guy's a piece of work.' I picked up some new profanity, and I thought I'd heard it all. He held forth for twenty minutes on who he thinks did it and why I think he's paranoid. Even so, I'd like to hear his theories. It's a weird theory, boss. In his worldview, the mob is out to scare everyone at the mill, so they'll sell out and the buyer will close it down. He doesn't know why, but he thinks the murderer, the shootings, and the tire cuttings are so well organized that the mob has to be behind them. When he led strikes, he said he could never organize anything this well. His men sometimes caused them more trouble than Harkness did. He admitted his boys could be violent. And so many words. I agree his theory sounds far-fetched, but I can't imagine why the mob, which isn't around here that I know of, would be interested in a paper mill. But he does have a point about the organizational skills of whoever is behind this. With the exception of letting Junior have a rifle... They've been good enough to stay ahead of us. Did Dank say anything else? Yeah, if he catches the guy, he'll cut off his... Well, you don't want to know. I can guess, and I suspect he just might. Did you have time yesterday to delve around in Shylock's past? I did. Find anything? Lots of stuff, but I don't know if any of it's important. He has a permit to carry a concealed weapon, for starters. That's not surprising, given his occupation. His home life's not quite as perfect as we imagined. He filed for divorce last year, and although I haven't found the judgment yet, I assume it went through. He pays his state and federal taxes on time, hasn't been audited, and last year he declared an income of $173,347 from general paper. That put him in the 36% tax bracket. Isn't it illegal to access a, a citizen's tax records? I seem to remember that Richard Nixon wanted the IRS to investigate his political enemies. Remember that? No, boss. I wasn't alive then. He wondered how she'd gotten so beautiful in such a short time. Oh, he said. Anything else? Yes. He has a 401k with a couple hundred thousand dollars in it, all in general paper stock. 
Don't the financial gurus tell us to spread our 401k holdings around? They do, but that means he has a vested interest in how well GP's stock does. He might make money if, the com- if his company buys out our mill. Something to think about, Periwinkle. I will, boss. Johnson came in with three cups of coffee and three donuts. I figured none of us had time for breakfast, so I stopped at Patel's. Besides, you were starving, right? Periwinkle asked. You'd be as hungry as a reindeer in rut if you had to spend your waking hour with this guy Felton. Jeez, he's surly. I would be too if somebody slashed my tires, Shard said. It's more than that. He hates everyone. The guy who flattened his tires, the people he works with, Harkness's ex, General Paper, and for all I know, God. He thinks everything has something to do with selling the company, and he takes it personally. He's convinced someone is out to get him. If, he, if I kept two sets of books, I'd be worried too, Shard said. He didn't mention the books, but he wants to sell. He kept yelling he's not about to die for the goddamn mill. It's interesting that both Higgins and Felton believe that this is a plot to force them to sell. For what it's worth, I'm not all that convinced yet, but there could be something to it. It does seem reasonable to me, Periwinkle said. All the violence has been against the people who have a say in whether to sell, except Harold. But he's family. True, Shard said. But I'm hung up on the question of why kill Harkness. He favored selling. And here's another thing. They presume that General Paper will shutter the mill. But if Felton's books are anywhere near accurate, the company is profitable. Wouldn't it make more sense for General Paper to keep the mill open? They can always close it down later. In other words, Higgins and Felden wouldn't necessarily be out of their jobs immediately. I promised Don that I wouldn't pass on mill gossip, Periwinkle said, but I think maybe I should at least tell you this, and she related Don's story. Does he think there is a concerted plot to force a sale, Shard asked? Yeah, the rumors are that Gloria's behind it. She wants her money up front in one big chunk. Makes some sense when you think about it. I suppose, Shard said. So she killed her husband because she discovered he was cheating and then dreamed up this campaign. I really don't think so. I also think she's too smart to bring Junior into it. What did she say a few days ago? He was the artsy type. You don't give those guys guns and ice picks. They'll either make a montage or hurt themselves. But if she's the brains behind all this, who's she hired to scare the hell out of everyone? Rita? Periwinkle asked. I can't see them as a team, if only because Rita's the wrong color. Hell, I bet Gloria's never had a black acquaintance. Besides, she's not a woman's woman, if you get my drift. She defines herself through men who give her the social clout and cash she craves. I may be wrong, though. What do you think, Periwinkle? Because I'm a woman? Well, you do bring up different perspective to this. Maybe. I suspect you're right about Gloria, though. She's a cold one. Wednesday mid-morning. Dizzy. And Luke. Shard walked out into the heavy snow. The wind off Tug Hill swirled it around until it was almost a whiteout. He walked to the post office. It took a camel out of his mailbox. He wondered why Chet Hundley, Leiden's downtown mailman, never put any mail in it. He went into the lobby and sat on the floor next to Luke and Dizzy, who were curled up against the radiator with their eyes half open. Hi, guys. Dizzy slapped his tail on the marble floor, and Luke said, Hello. Mind if I sit a spell with you? 
Okay, me and Dizzy is sleeping. I see that. Yeah, we like it, don't we, Dizzy? Shard scratched behind Dizzy's ears, and the dog scrunched up against him. Dizzy loves to have me scratch his ears, doesn't he? Yeah, a woman scratched him today. He barked at her. Why? He didn't like her. He loves everybody, Shard said. She was black-colored. Oh, was she? Have you seen her before? Nah, she was black-colored. Was she alone? Nope. Who was she with? I don't know. What color was he? Pink, like me. Shard wondered if Luke knew his colors. Could he be colorblind? He was a lot closer to white than pink. He took out his badge. What color is this, Luke? Gold. Well, he wasn't colorblind. I like it. It's shiny. It is, isn't it? Can you describe the man with the black-colored woman? Big and had church clothes on. A suit and tie? I guess. What else do you remember about him? Brown shoes. With a black suit? Luke wasn't the easiest person in the world to question. Yeah. Anything else about him? Yeah. He had a gun. How do you know? I seen it. Where was it? Under his coat. Did he show it to you? Nah. I like guns, don't we, Dizzy? The dog slapped his tail against the radiator. Shard was convinced Dizzy understood English better than Luke and half the town. He was the world's foremost expert on the word donut. Was the gun in a holster? Luke looked blank. What part of the gun did you see? The backside. That slowed Shard down. He thought of the drafting class in high school where he learned to project one or the other side of something. A gun's backside would be its what? Do you mean the handle? I guess. Handle front under the coat? He'd lost Luke. When did Dizzy bark at the colored woman? Luke looked at his watch for a long time. This morning. Periwinkle never did find out whether he could tell time. Tell you what, guys, how about we go down to Patel's and get coffee and donuts? Dizzy was on his feet the instant Shard finished this invitation. Patel's it is, then. You guys are my best detectives. Luke stared at him with a big, sloppy grin. Wednesday morning, at Deborah's. Don't be so damn pissy, Deborah. It throws the cops off track. Besides, I only cut one of your tires. I cut all of them on the other cars. The cops might wonder why I only had one slashed. I doubt it. They're not that sharp. I think you should have cut two of mine. Why, you're mad I cut one. My mechanic says I'll have to replace two anyway. Something about them having to be level on both sides. Forget it. Everything's going to go exactly as I said. The general paper people in town today to offer to buy Northern, and everybody is scared. I wouldn't be surprised if they beg us to buy them. Hope you're right. I'm ready to start over somewhere else, maybe down south where it's warm. That's not the only reason for you to get out of here. I know, but I have some walking around money. I can go anywhere I want. Don't worry, you'll get your money. If they don't sell today, we'll just hurt them again. They don't have any balls. They're at a breaking point. Do you have an alibi for last night, Deborah asked? A perfect one. Pool, booze, and sex. What more could a girl want? 
I miss sex with Steve. God, he was good. I envy you. It's your fault. You blew it. I know. Do you have an alibi? I ordered a blouse from Land's End at midnight and called time of temperature at five this morning. My phone re records will prove that I was here those times. I want this over with. I'm, I'm getting nervous. Stay cool. We're close to being home free. I hope you're right. Wednesday noon at the deli. Shard bought hot dogs and donuts for Luke, Dizzy, and himself, and claimed a corner table next to the window. He liked to watch people walk by. They looked so purposeful, as if they knew exactly why they were outside in such miserable weather. Periwinkle came in, bought a hot dog, and came over and tousled Luke's hair and scratched Dizzy's ears. Dizzy was so intent on ingesting an entire hot dog in one gulp that he didn't even wag his tail. Hi, guys. It's freezing out there. I walked all the way down here just for a good hot dog. Why didn't you go to Skyler's, Shard asked. They have franks and beans on special today. I'm here only because Luke gave me a valuable clue in our murder investigation. He's a super detective. Luke puffed his chest out and aimed another broad, goofy smile at Shard. What was your clue, Luke? Periwinkle asked. The shiny badge. Whose badge? His, he said as he pointed at Shard. Pulling rank again, boss? That wasn't the clue, Luke. It was the black-colored one, remember? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I, ought to, I, maybe I ought to tell you the story lest we were here till Vespers, Shard said, and filled Periwinkle in. She has to be Rita, right? Could the man be Shryock? That's my guess. He's, he's with Rita, he's got a pistol, and the general paper people are here. Maybe he's providing personal security for them. Petting Dizzy in the post office. Hell of a threat, boss. Yeah, I thought of that. But after another round of dogs and donuts, why don't we drive out to Gerald's to see if they're there? Okay. Where's Johnson? The last I saw him, he was off to talk to the clerk at the co-op about some guy who walked out with a John Deere riding mower, one of the big ones. Really? Walked out with it? Under his coat? It's, a, it's amazing how much we don't notice these days. I've got a dozen DUIs on my desk. Do I care? Not until I have Harkness's murder. I think those riding moors can be converted to plow snow. Have the boys looked in driveways for a very bright green mower with a blade or blower on it? I'll wager we'll find the guy in 24 hours. Pity it's not as easy to find murderers. Dizzy belched as if in agreement. Wednesday afternoon in Leiden. The same three guys were huddled at the bar watching a golf rerun on Gerald's TV. Remind me of the th those three, Periwinkle. If I ever mentioned I want to retire, I'd shoot myself if I had to spend my declining years on a stool, nursing a beer, watching reruns. Nice putt, though. Rita chalked her cue and stared at the balls with an intensity that told Shard that she was three shots ahead of her next one. Without taking her eyes off the game, she said, Good afternoon, Lieutenant. Change your mind about putting a wager on a game with me. Shard was more interested in her challenger perched on a stool. Luke's description was pretty good. Dark blue suit, silver blue tie, and brown shoes. His coat was cut generously enough under his arms to hide a shoulder holster. You already have an opponent. I don't want to rob him of the chance to win a few dollars. 
fat chance lieutenant. He won't get a shot this game. Shard believed her. He approached Brown Shoes. Thomas Shard, he said, and stuck out his hand. Adolf Shryock. Folks call me Adi. Okay, Adi, welcome to Leiden. Thanks. I understand you're the chief of security at General Paper. I am. You're here with your bosses who are in town to look over Northern Paper. Exactly. Are you part of the negotiating team? Shryock looked at Shard as if he'd won a trophy for dumbness. Not hardly, unless they're doing it in here. Good point, Shard said. Why'd you come, then? Not that it's any of your business, but I made the travel arrangements. Reserved the company plane and stocked it with their favorite food and beverages, rented suites in Utica, and stuff like that. A couple of my guys are always with them to make sure they're not hassled. I took a little time off to play pool. Reader ran 11 balls and left the cue ball touching the three, smack in the middle of the table. It's all yours, 80, she said, through a wicked smile. Thanks. He circled the table warily, like a cat stalking a vole. Shard thought. Finally, he put a load of English on the shot that sent the three spinning against three rails and into the side pocket. Shard was impressed. Rita looked as if it were a simple shot. Shard walked over to Rita. We had a busy night last night. Car tires slashed all over town. Really? Yep. And you think I know something about it? Well, I think it's odd that since you've arrived, paper mill executives have been shot at and had their tires slashed. What the hell do I care about the mill? I have my own case to worry about. That's what I asked myself. Your friend here works for the people who want to buy Northern. Maybe if you put a little pressure on the Harkness family, the mill managers might deal. You're grasping at straws, Lieutenant. Your interest in me tells me that you haven't a clue who's doing this stuff. Do you believe that nobody in this cute town would do that crap? Or that all the local crimes come from the big city? Wrong on both counts. You say you have a case here, and I find you always at the pool table. I have suspects, and you're one of them. Sometimes crime comes here from New York City, but not often. Maybe General Paper brought it with them. Where were you last night, say, after midnight? I was keeping an eye on my prey and hustling a few bucks at the table. In fact, I took a couple of hundred off eighty. You know that gambling's illegal. Sure, but I'm not gambling. This is a sure thing. I always win. Besides, eighty won't pay me until we're out of your jurisdiction. You played all night? Of course not. We played until this dump closed at two, and then went back to my room at the lock. The rest of the night, eh, that was a sure thing, too. She gave him the most licentious leer he'd seen in years. Besides, it was too damn cold to take out my ice pick and stab tires. I have other distractions to amuse me. What time did Eddie leave your room this morning? Around seven o'clock, she said with a knowing smile. He had to go to Utica. And if you're wondering what I did at that unholy hour, I rolled into his warm spot and went back to sleep. I'm not an early girl. Shard wasn't convinced. Eighty ran the table and was halfway through the next rack. He never looked at them, but Shard was certain he picked up on every word. On the way back to headquarters, Periwinkle said she's a tough one. Undeniably beautiful and sexy, but hard and cold. Difficult woman to read. Do you think she told us the truth? Periwinkle watched the snow swirl past the car. Hard to tell. Eighty is attractive, although not my type, and they might have had a tryst. 
I can believe she's hot in bed, perhaps even predatory. But maybe afterwards she got out of bed and slashed some tires. Maybe it turns her on. Who knows? The bartender told me that they were still there at closing time. That part of her alibi is tight, unless she slashed the tires before she got there. If she did, I should think that at least one owner would have noticed it before dawn. Except Harold, of course. We still don't know if his tires were flattened, but I'll bet they were. He ought to be up by now. Would he care if someone slashed his tires? His mother will buy him another car rather than new tires, and he'd bitch about it. Did you catch the most interesting thing Rita said, Shard asked? Periwinkle watched a clot of snowflakes bounce off the top of her rearview mirror. They glinted as they danced away. If you mean the ice pick, yes. Is that the clue that she killed Mr. Harkness? That's what I'm mulling over. Maybe she said it to throw us off because she slashed the tires with something else. Besides, we don't know for sure that the killer used an ice pick. It could have been an awl, screwdriver, hat pin, or meat thermometer, almost anything, in which case her comment is meaningless. But if it was a pick, she put herself right in the picture, didn't she? Wednesday, late afternoon, Kaiser's office. Neil caught Shard the minute he came through the door. Lieutenant, the sheriff wants to see you now. Thanks. Are you working the evening shift too? Yes, sir. I'm hoping to have a real good paycheck this week. Bluter, as always, blocked the entrance to the Kaiser's inner sanctum. Hello, beautiful. Where have you been, Lieutenant? I interviewed a couple of suspects in the Harkness case. Why didn't you answer your cell phone? My, my, my cell phone. Um, well, you see, Hilda, I seem to have misplaced it. I haven't seen it since Christmas. Maybe Thanksgiving. I'm sure it'll turn up soon, though. It better. It's the department's. Oh, right. Go on in, but watch out for the blow. It's coming. Thanks. The Kaiser sat with his fingers tightly entwined across his ample midsection. The twitch in his bushy mustache betrayed his calm, outward demeanor. A bad sign, Shard thought. Miserable weather today, sir. The weather in here is worse. In here, sir? I sat here this morning and took a verbal thrashing from Gloria Harkness. I don't have to tell you that she's not a happy woman. I wouldn't be either, sir, if my husband had been murdered. You missed the point, Lieutenant. She's madder than a wet hen because someone slashed her tires last night. Her son's, too. Do you know who she holds responsible for eight flat tires? I suspect I do, sir. He decided under the circumstances to forget the chicken cliché. You're absolutely right. Me... I had nothing to do with her damn tires. But you did. If you'd solved this mess, I wouldn't have to put up with that witch. I never did understand what Steve saw in her. She's not the sweetest woman around, sir. I'll give you that. She wondered how many decades it would take us to find her husband's murderer. Inquired whether the county would pay for her shattered window and flat tires. Asked whether I've ever had any competent detectives. Threatened to file a harassment suit against the department because you mentally abused Harold. And most important, promised never to contribute another dime to my re-election campaign. I didn't lock Harold up after we caught him at the roadblock with a rifle. I let him go to keep Gloria off your back. I figured she'd be pleased with the treatment we gave that little rat. Well, she wasn't. Did you accuse him of shooting at those cars? I didn't mention that there might be a slight possibility that he'd done it 
since he had the offending rifle. Yes. She said that you accused him, and she was going to sue the department. On what grounds? Defamation of her son's character. Good grief. You think Harold killed his old man? Not really. He's too lazy and probably couldn't plan anything that complex. But he's still on my list. I forgot. Something else pulled her strings. She claimed that because we haven't solved the shootings, her mill managers, whom she called cowardly, yellow-bellied wimps, are urging her to sell out the general paper. She doesn't want to, but says it will be our fault if she's forced to, and general paper closes the mill and puts 500 voters out of work. It would serve us right, she said, because we've done nothing to catch these people. Periwinkle Johnson and I have worked 24 hours a day and we're making progress. Could you enlighten me on your progress? If I were privy to it this morning, I could have smothered her with facts. Here's where we stand, Shard said, and he piled names, facts, suppositions, hopes, and promises all over the sheriff. So you think this Rita has something to do with the shootings? Maybe the murder, too, but I can't figure out how she's connected to all this. She could well be what she says he is, a P.I. on surveillance here. I don't like P.I.s in my town, Lieutenant. They make it look as if we can't keep order. I'll keep a close watch on her in Spylark. Don't worry. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about Gloria and her goofball son. She has pull, and I need all of it I can get. This is a tough election, my boy, so don't harass either one of them. The Kaiser shifted in the chair. Probably, Shard thought, because he felt lighter after he dumped all his weighty problems on him. I'll be more careful, sir, but I never know how she'll react to the most innocent question. I know. Now for the question you didn't ask. What would that be, sir? The weather, of course. The snow will taper off tonight, and it will turn much, much colder. I think down to minus 20. So bring your dog in, Lieutenant. I don't have one, sir. Well, maybe you ought to. He'd keep you warm at night. Wednesday evening, Shard's office. Shard went downstairs. Neil, would you hand me that box of staples in the right-hand top drawer, please? He passed the box to Shard and was surprised when he took out a camel. Neil rifled through it to see if it held any more. It doesn't, Neil. Thanks. Back in his office, Shard remembered that nobody had checked with Collins today. If he calls the Kaiser, Shard thought, I'm in more trouble. He lifted his phone. I expected to hear from you, Lieutenant. If you called earlier, I was probably in a meeting, said Collins. I hear the general paper people are in town. I've been talking to them all day and leave in a few minutes with them for supper in Utica. I just wanted to check in about your slashed tires. That was a surprise, especially after someone shot at my car the other day. What the hell is going on, Lieutenant? I wished I knew, Mr. Collins, but I promise you we're working hard on it. The victims are all connected to the mill or Harkness's family, and I suspect this leads back to the proposed sale of the mill. We've concluded that as well, Lieutenant. I don't mind telling you that we're frightened. We could end up like Steve. The rumors are that you guys think it might be safer to sell. I sure as hell don't want to die for the mill or for Gloria. Remember, she owns it. We don't. If we stay private, our futures are uncertain. I understand. Also, General Paper has upped its offer, and I can tell you it's very attractive. Probably more than we're worth. Why are they so anxious to buy? Simple. They'll increase their share of the market and money is rolling in here right now. General promises it won't close us down as long as we're profitable. 
The minute we aren't, though, they'll lock up this place. If you close, you'll really hurt the town, you know. We're well aware of that, but Feldon and I and a couple of others will make out, well, either way. Our options will be in general stock, not our private stuff. Plus, there's a good chance we can go to work for general. Which way are you leaning? I won't tell you, because I don't want to tip my hand. It's weak enough already. Gloria holds all the aces. All I can do is try to get her to do what we want after we decide. At least I don't have to deal with Harold. By the way, speaking of rumors, I heard you caught that little bastard with the rifle he used to shoot at my car, is that right? I shouldn't say anything, but yes, I did. But we want to check his explanation before we charge him with anything. I'd love to get a hold of him. I'd ram his stupid head through my shattered back window. I fully understand, Mr. Collins. A couple more questions, though. Where does Mr. Feldon stand on the general paper deal? He's like me. He might be talked into it. He's more scared of what's going on than I am. He can be persuaded to go either way. What about Mrs. Harkness? Who the hell knows? If she needs the money, she'll probably sell. If she doesn't, she might keep it and drive us all nuts. Well, I wish you luck in whatever you decide. I think most of us root for you to do whatever saves jobs. Meantime, we'll find out what's going on, and you'll be among the first to know. Fair enough? It'll have to be, Lieutenant.